Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of choice, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy Hello, we are all ready for a conversation with Ariella Lou. Uh, uh and I guess originally a pediatric nurse, uh, is now uh, the founding director of Kids on Track Consultancy. Welcome, Ariella. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Because this is a bit of a catch-up for us. We haven't spoken in real life for quite some time and we used to kind of work and live in the same neighbourhoods. Mm. And I no. think I, I first, uh, we first spoke when you were still doing OT. Yeah. And sort of yeah, building yeah. this on the side. Um, so, yeah, this is. I've been really excited to come on and chat to you today. Good. Can you believe I sold uh, my business over 10 years ago? Wow. There you go. Yeah. A long time, but it sort of feels like yesterday. I've still got such strong memories of, memories <laughs> of all of all of that. So 2012, what got you thinking about the shift from being a nurse to being a business owner? Or being both, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it really I think it was something that was not being a business owner necessarily, but I think when I was nursing in the hospitals with kids, I always could see there was a gap from what could be provided in an inpatient and even an outpatient environment um, to what actually sometimes families needed, which was that extra support and that extra advocacy and that just extra something that you can't necessarily get within more formalised healthcare settings. Um, And I, I think around the time... A lot of my friends were starting to have their own kids. And as they would tackle milestones and whatever, they would often ask advice and I'd get their kids sleeping through the night or friends that were really struggling with adjustments, sort of working with that and sort of saw actually there's a real need for this. There's a real need for something that someone that's got a health background understands child development, but also understands that not one size fits all. Yeah. Yeah. And you started your business in Australia, didn't you? It didn't start in London. No, it started in London. It, it started start in, in London. London. It started um, in 2012 in London. And then yeah. just as it was starting to take off and really find its theme, um, my husband was made a offer that he really couldn't turn down um, in Melbourne. And the original plan actually was that I was just going to do a little bit of consulting here and there but not really work mm. much. I wasn't really going to build it into a business, <laughs> which is probably when we first yeah, yeah, came across each other. Yeah. And then just over time, it built and it got busier um, and the gaps grew. And I think as the NDIS has come on board, 
there's I I would say in the pediatric space, um, particularly where we are, more need than ever before for advocacy for families, for the fighting. Fighting's not a positive word, but the fighting of the systems around that one size fits all and not everything's right for everybody. And so it it just kind of flew. I often have to pinch myself that, you know, I've gone from it just kind of being the occasional consulting to, you know, running a business with practitioners working with me and all of that. It's it's really been quite the ride. <laughs> oh, laughs nervously. Well done. Well done. So I want to hear about your team because you've got some humans working with you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I couldn't do it without them. Um, they're amazing. So I guess Taking on a team started back in, so I had um, a baby during the pandemic um, and was still at that point doing it all myself. The consulting, the billing, the social media, and a little bit of help with the actual design, but all the thought process, it, and it just got oh too gosh. much. It was a lot. It was just too much. And so in 2021, um, I started working with an amazing VA and over time, she took on more and more okay. of the administrative side um, and really became a bit of a practice manager. And that, and then sort of as I worked with her, I could really see where other people could come in and what kind of things they could do. So now I have someone that sort of is my office manager, does all the background stuff for me, the invoicing, whatever. And we, you know, we meet and we talk all the time, but she she does it. I don't deal with any of that. Um, I have someone else who does sort of a bit of a virtual reception and does social media um, and all of that. Again, we talk all the time. And then I have my support coordination team and I've got two great girls um, that work for me um, and with me, I should say. I'm still involved with every family. I still do the intakes for every family before handing them over. And, you know, I think a lot of being a great boss or being a manager is about coaching and about you know it may not be you doing it your way but you can teach your philosophies and your values to the people that are working with you really I'm really curious how have you how have you transferred that passion and those values and that knowledge well um, such a good question I don't know the answer I think you know one of my staff members which is probably the biggest compliment I've received in my life, one of the biggest compliments. Professionally, uh, at the beginning of every staff meeting, we start with like, what's the most positive thing like since the last staff meeting? And one of my staff members once said to me, she's like, it's actually you. You just love your families and you love the passion with which you work and, you know, every decision you really think about it and you think about how the families are going to see it. So I think some of it is you have to lead by example even mm. on the days where you're in a really bad mood. Um, some of it, which I probably need to learn to do better at, is you have to trust. Mm-hmm. You have to trust that you believe that they're going to do it, as I said, if not exactly like you would, that the families would will receive the same messaging and the same warmth that you would want. And and on the flip side of that, when that isn't happening, you have to call it out and you have to call it out yeah. quickly that these aren't the values 
that we hold and this isn't what I want clients to know. You know, that's not the impression I want them to get. And patience. patience. I've had to learn to be very patient. Is that not your natural demeanor? No. <laughs> Which I think is true of so many of us that have built our own businesses from the ground. We want to grow and we want to grow now. And where's the money going to come from? We don't really think about that. And, you know, but it's not practical to do six hours a week when you barely got three. We don't think about that. So I think, and also understanding that you don't know what you don't know. Mm. You know, when you take people on and you'd see that too, you know, you don't, people don't know what they don't know. So they're not doing it to be malicious. They're not doing it because they think your way's wrong. It's just, you know, learning. Know. People don't know what they don't know. Sounds as though your team are learning a lot from you and with you. What are your what are you learning from your team? Oh my goodness, so much. Possibly more than them some days. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Um they're kind people. They're really kind people. And sometimes they'll say things about families or two families and I'm like you didn't have to do that no one told you to do that but you did it that was like really kind um and yes I talk about going above and beyond for families but I've learned that from them I've learned that to be a good boss doesn't mean that you're not also friends with your team Uh like I would count my current team among my friends all of them we're all remote, but you know, they're my friends. That you know, when I chat to them, there's barely a conversation where we don't talk about our kids or um, you know, doctor's appointment or how was the weekend or whatever it is. Like we're friends. Yeah. Um a certain I I was for a long time not so keen on automizations and structures and systems and you know, because oh, I wanted to keep it. You break my heart. You break my heart. Because <laughs> I wanted to keep it so personalized and so whatever. But we now have some great systems. Yeah. That you know they've introduced me to and helped me to feel confident with. Um, you know, I'm not an IT tech. I'm a medic. Like I, I didn't. It's not. That's not how I trained. So that stuff. And, and I just think. Um. Really, the learning that you can, that saying that you can learn from everybody, Mm. there's always things to learn, whether, you know, we've all got different backgrounds, we all come from different professional backgrounds, different personal backgrounds, and I think, yeah, so much. They they teach me all the time. Yeah. You've got to be ready to receive, though, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned your team were remote. Who's who's in the neighborhood and who's remote and how does how does that all work? So we, one of the changes to our business during COVID was actually almost everything went remote. Mm-hmm. I mean it had to. Mm-hmm. First it had to, but when then life got back to normal, I then realized that even for my own consulting, some of it didn't need to be in person. So most of my consulting, I wouldn't say most, but I'd say 60% of my consulting, all my initial consults are online. Mm. All. And then if we need to look at face-to-face because we're dealing with school observations or we're doing big multidisciplinary team meetings, that that comes down the track. But the initial things all are online. 
So I have one team member in Queensland. I have the rest of us are based in Melbourne, but scattered all over, like yeah, all over. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it works. We meet online. Um, one of my team members who lives the nearest, one of my support coordinators, she likes to have our weekly meeting in person. Um, so we do just because we find it more efficient, just to kind of do the notes together and put it upload it as we go rather than trying to coordinate you know a zoom screen and the you know client management screen it's just easier um but it, it just works like you know in our last staff meeting we we're talking about shall we do like an online escape room or something as like an end of year you know something so yes you can watch this space on that yeah, it makes such a difference to your recruitment if you can, if you have a service delivery model that supports online, uh, means you can recruit from anywhere in the country, yeah. right? You? Yeah, and and to me, you know what I've learned in recruitment is it the team fit mm. and being the right those values back to those values, having those values and understanding that is almost more important than the professional background or minimally yeah. as important. Yeah, yeah. I uh, took a look at your website earlier and I know there's a new one underdeveloped. There is, finally. Finally, finally. I think uh, I think listeners will be really interested to hear about the services you provide because they've heard about you and your background and they've heard a bit about your team, but what do you actually do week in, week out? So we. Um, guess we're sort of child development experts. So we work, you know, going from babies, we work with parents on every aspect of child development that may be causing concern. So it could be just the standard milestones, toddler tantrums, introducing a new baby and not knowing what things to buy and a little bit of parent education. Could be toilet training. We do a lot of work around toilet training. That's one of our big areas of expertise. Um, Sleep work around sleep, work around parenting and family dynamics, but with a really holistic view to understand that, that yes, we can all read the child development textbooks and say, you know, this is where your child's up to, but it's got to, any strategy that's going to work has to sit within that individual's family philosophy. And first, the parents have to get on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. So we do a lot of work with that. and then. We do, obviously, which we've sort of touched on within the disability space. Um, we do a lot of advocacy for NDIS. We help people get on the NDIS. We help them pr- with pre-planning meetings, what they need for planning meetings. We go with them to planning meetings. We do support con- um, coordination. We do all of that. And we also kind of take that case management even for families where they don't maybe have an NDIS plan but they're having issues at school or they're having issues somewhere so to really sort of manage the family navigate what's going on advocate for the needs of that child um and that family within whatever systems they're in um so yeah we try we sit a lot in I'm really um heartened that you've embraced automations and systems because you've got a lot of people to be speaking with yes (laughs) but I must say one of the biggest challenges I think for me um of growth coming from being a solo practitioner Mm. has been 
the colleagues that you work with are not so quick to want to work with team members. Not always. Some are better than others, but often it will be a case of, oh, yeah, I did call them, but I didn't get back to me. I, of course, pick up the phone and they pick up straight away. But it, that I would say that's been a big challenge. Any other challenges in driving driving your business? Lots. <laughs> but, but that's one that I think is relevant when people are thinking about growing. I think it's really important that, you know, if people were going to ask my advice, that actually new colleagues are introduced. to the relevant external parties that you work with, that it's clear that they're part of your team, that it's clear that you are still involved in order that that trust can be maintained, even if that means things like you've got two therapists going to meetings for a little while. Yeah. I remember a phase uh, when I had my allied health business that uh, refers would only refer to me and it's a little bit similar and I remember the work that I had to start and do for a long 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 time that um, to position my wonderful team as being differently talented to me like yeah yeah they they manage things better than I could it wasn't about experience it was about skill set and talent and mindset so um, I think there's some assumptions that business owners make um, at times as well so yeah. what else proved challenging in the business? Um, I think learning that the little, some little things don't always matter if it's not done exactly how I would want it to be. Um, so I guess giving up some of that control and being willing to do that. Um, I think particularly around social media, marketing, the exact wording, the exact design. My social media coordinator listens to this, which she will because she um going to be promoting. She's responsible for promoting it. She'll laugh because she'll know that her and I have this conversation. <laughs> um, and, and I think that that's been that's been a huge challenge for me to balance that kind of. You have to let go in order to free up your time, but you're nervous to let go and free up the time because. What's that going to be? And I'm using social media as an example, but there are, there are other places as well where you have to let go and sometimes see if something sinks or swims. Yeah, yeah. And that's for numbers. Do you enjoy that side of it? Um, I don't enjoy it, but and it can make me quite anxious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't despise it either. I'm lucky that my husband is a numbers person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the big decisions, I've got someone to bounce off. Um, but I would say, look, it's part and parcel of any business. You can't ignore them. Like, you, you can't, can't ignore them. You can't ignore them. But I would also say, easy for me to say, I'll say this before I say, this is going to sound like it's very easy for me to say. It's not easy to say, and it's been a hard lesson to learn. But when you're growing, while you can't ignore them, you also can't let them control you. The numbers. The numbers. Good, healthy relationship numbers. Yeah. Like when you are growing and you're looking to scale and you're looking to take on people, you are going to spend more than you earn for periods of time. Mm -hmm. Maybe. 
<laughs> from so from so many people that I speak to that have scaled. That doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever and ever. Mm-hmm. But while you pay the recruitment costs of doing it, and while you pay for training, you know, you're paying hours to people just to get them trained up and get them ready to be earning for their own. Yeah. So there is going to be periods of time where you're looking at the outgoings and the in and you just kind of be like this, this. so I think yeah fingers crossed yeah as a colleague of mine once said it's called growing pains okay some of them some of them some of them so I think I think learn and, and no one's saying run at enormous losses but I think mm-hmm. no it, it's about understanding what is your ideal but what can you still live within? Yeah. Lots of ways, lots of ways to be right. Lots of ways to be right. And, um, you know, we've been delighted over the over the years with the business owners that we've partnered and co-piloted with that when, the, when they start to understand the concepts and the patterns and what the, the numbers tell a story, if you like, they're a narrative. Yeah. That it, they're surprised at themselves that they start to enjoy it, <laughs> and they look forward to it, and they they trust themselves in their relationship with the financials and with the n- other numbers. There's lots of other numbers other than financials, so it uh, it doesn't have to be a, um, a, a a frightening experience forever. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Running a business isn't just about setting up shop and becoming complacent. It's about showing up for ourselves and our clients with a commitment to continuous improvement. We have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at and where we're going. That means identifying strengths and weaknesses so we can improve. After all, if we're remaining stagnant, how can we scale and build the business and life of our dreams? That's where the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz comes in. We're not talking horoscopes and pulse hope here. This questionnaire is the perfect starting point for you to begin identifying your strengths, needs, and blind spots as an allied health business owner. The process is simple. Answer the 14 questions and we'll send you a personalized report that includes actionable steps for you to start taking your business to the next level. Ready to take your business into your own hands? Take the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz today. So as a business owner and a business manager and a team leader, what does your week look like? Well, every week is different. Yeah. So I meet with each of my team members weekly. So that's a part of my week. I still consult the vast, I'm still doing the vast majority of consulting next year. Mm-hmm. Part of the growth phase is to bring on some other therapists and allied health that can actually do some of that consulting. Um lots of case management still um and liaison and stuff like that so going to meetings going to consults um management of people management and marketing strategies stuff like that um but every week is different which is really really nice yeah I like that as well I like that as well are you a business owner that likes to really forward plan and I guess we're recording this at the end of 23. Do you have a pretty clear view of next year and where you want the business to be and how you're going to get there? Some business owners do and others not so much. Yeah, look, I definitely have a vision of where I would like the business to be in a year, if that's the question. Yeah. Exactly what the building blocks will be to get it there. 
sometimes that kind of goes with who comes across your path. Yeah. And, you know, there was someone recently when looking at redoing the website that I met as someone that I spoke to about it who wasn't the right person for the website, but I chatted to her and I was like, she's amazing with regard to strategy, marketing strategy, PR. So now I'm going to be working with her with regard to that. Now, I didn't necessarily plan that. I had planned to get someone on board from that point of view at some point next year, but I met her, she was there. So now we're starting our work earlier than I would have planned or thought. So leaving it open, yes, I have a vision for what I would like it to look like by the end, but I'm very open as to how that vision gets how it transpires. Yeah. 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 That makes some sense. I, I guess that's doing that's a bit like that entrepreneurial spirit, you know. Well, I kind of know where I'm going, but you know, how we're gonna do that, you know, bring it to yeah. the people. Yeah, and also as you explore things more. So, you know, there's lots of talk. I'm sure guests have talked about it before in the Allied Health space about, you know, online courses, right? In the pediatric space, that's a big thing, online courses. Well, okay, but when you research the online courses, you've actually got to be able to make a lot of money out of those online courses in order to warrant the the development costs and the marketing costs and the advertising costs. So it's all of that sort of thing. Would I, in theory, love to have a library of you know, modules around certain things, NDIS navigation and make it a lot cheaper for people they wouldn't have to consult with it. Would I love to have that? Yes. And if I could find a way to do it, that's leveraging it, that's not going to cost me that amount of money, I would look at it. But it's really about being able to explore options and the best way to get places that make most business sense. Sometimes I do just smile ever so quietly when I hear the expression passive income. (laughs) because often there's like 30 years of professional intellectual awesomeness sitting behind Mm. what might look effortless in a reoccurring income strategy (laughs) yeah Um, yeah really is it passive really yes yes that's a good way to put it yeah you've spoken a lot about um marketing and if I look at your website we'll put it in the the show notes you've um You've kind of worked hard, I know you have, to present yourself and your personal brand and your business brand out to the the media. Um, Tell us a bit about that process and maybe even the drivers for that. Um, So I think with regards to social media, it's something that in my own personal life I don't at all do. If you look at my own social media profile, all you'll see is kids on track, kids on track, kids on track, kids on track. It's all you'll see. I don't share my life on socials. I'm not a public person like mm. that. I'm public for work. Um, yes, yeah, some of it is about a drive. I think some of it is about an ego. I think as a business owner, I think you have to have a certain ego. Not there's a difference between ego and arrogance, but I mm. think you have to have a certain amount of ego and resilience. You have to be able to take certain knocks, the down times with the up times, all of all of that. Um, some of it comes from that and some of it just comes, I think, from a genuine place of wanting to ensure that people that need the support know where to find it. Yeah. 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 So I think it's better. Yeah. Have you written for a range of publications and 
Yeah, so so we're on um actually a tip for people listening who don't know already. There's a um there's a marketing tool for want of a better word. Um it's an online platform called Source Bottle. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of it, where where often they will look for contributors to different things. And again, it's one of those things that goes in ups and downs. Suddenly I'll have 10 articles to write in three weeks and then like nothing for months. three months. So it's so it's one of those. A lot of it comes through there and some of it is sometimes sort of getting out there in terms of talking at be it you know schools or on forums or whatever is often to be honest networks it's people that have heard me somewhere else and then said oh call Ariella like it, it I think in this business nothing nothing is going to do anyone more credit than their personal reputation and word of mouth that that's what it's all about that's that's where a lot of the growth will come from yeah do your team get that yes yeah over time Mm. but I got it over time I didn't walk into Australia and have a practice Mm. over time 100 percent yeah so the tricky thing about marketing is you can be writing here and blogging there. You've got your blog up. You can be on podcasts. You can be speaking at events and on socials and boosting posts and ads. But there's this thing called attribution, and that is about knowing exactly what works to bring your idea. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm still learning. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm still learning. I think um, because. If it was just me and I didn't have a team and I wasn't scaling and I wasn't growing, mm-hmm. I would be a lot less driven on the marketing side. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, I I love things like this, right? Podcasts, interviews, forums, that speaking to people, running a Q&A on toilet, all that, love that. Interviewing on Insta Lives, love that. Happy with that. But the ongoing grind of, because it's constant. Yeah, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can take your foot off the brake for two weeks at Christmas or you can say I'm going on holiday or whatever it might be. Yes, but it, but it is that constant drip, drip with the algorithms and all the rest of it. If it was just me and just my brand, I don't know that I would have the motivation mm. to spend the money, to spend the effort, right? Like I don't enjoy it. It's another thing that I can find quite, wouldn't say anxiety provoking, but like when I don't stick to my boundaries Mm. and I see stuff come in late at night or on a Sunday, I've kind of got that thing in myself, oh, I've got to deal with this, but I really don't want to deal with it, you know? But I think I accept and acknowledge that the world we live in now, it's a game you have to play if you want to grow and scale. Yeah. You've just got to figure out which is the best game for you. Yeah. And which game or which channel do you think brings you the most work? If you could pick one, just pick one. Facebook. Is it? Yeah. Facebook and and forums. When people hear me speak, mm-hmm. even listen to me on a podcast. I, this is different because I'm talking about the business rather than yeah, expertise. Yeah, yeah. But if people hear me on a podcast then that kind of thing gets business, not necessarily the articles or the day-to-day posts. But what that does do is when someone, if you're a pediatrician or you're speechy or you're whoever then says to you, kids on track, they'll be like, oh, hang on, I follow them. 
Like I was somewhere the other day, I went to visit a friend and someone else was there. And when I was leaving, she said to this friend, she's like, wait, is that Ariella Lou from Kids on Track? And they're like, yeah, she's like, she's like a celebrity. I follow her all the time. (laughs) Yeah. This person has never liked the post, never shared a post, (laughs) never anything a post. Quiet fan. Quiet But she knew the name. Yeah. Yeah. I've had some fun, really good fun moments like that as well. Yeah. Last week at a conference, exactly, some well, something along those lines happened. And I, it, it's such a reminder that, oh, my gosh, words matter, right? Story, narrative matters. Stories stories matter. Um, and they just have that lovely ripple effect. You never quite know where you're where no. to end up. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of ending up, um, where is the business off to next? Like you don't have to share everything yeah, I'm, plans, but what's I, would like, I would like to be in a position where we have a bigger team of support coordinators. Yeah. Um, because I think that really is a market. I think, you know, as you wrote in your book, building a tribe, mm. making sure that the tribes that surround these families are the right tribes, mm. not yeah. just people, right but actually yeah. the right people, as you talked about in your book. Fantastic book. Um. So I think that I'd like to see that grow and almost, I guess, not splitting the business, but almost I would envision two very separate sides. So you've kind of got the parenting sort of side on one. And that's where we'd like to bring in some more therapists that might do, you know, half a day here or half a day there or specific things might be art therapy, whatever. Don't know exactly. And then you've got that sort of NDIS side and all of that so I guess the vision is to build both sides up equally to I guess in terms of the marketing and the strategies and whatever I think to be able to keep a constant presence and to be able to keep those referrals coming constantly 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 without that having to be a big stress and a worry and a whatever I think you know every business owner wants that that you know that every business owner wants that um, and then for me to really be able to run the business rather than run every aspect of the business. Are you ready to give up the consulting? And I don't know that I would give it up. Yeah. I don't know that I would give it up completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely be ready to hand a lot more off than I am at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, um, point of tension and uh, tension can be a good word right yeah about um how you how is your business does strengthen and develop your role as the director or your role as the person whose name ASIC would look for your role needs to change and yeah and and potentially the company needs to change yeah and it needs to be a company and not a sole trader and it needs you know and that and all that that entails and um it's about, you know, being a CEO and not necessarily, but, you know, one of my first mentors when I left hospital nursing and I worked in the not-for-profit space um, and one of my first mentors who I'm still very close to, um, he was the CEO of the not-for-profit that I was working for and he made it his business that every family that was referred, he went to the initial meeting with that family. 
He wanted every family to know who he was and that he wasn't like a nameless, faceless exec. Mm. In, mm. And I really learned from that. Mm. So that's why I'm saying, would I give it up? Yes. Would I give up intake? Not for a while. I think it's important. I think it's important for clients that they know who's steering the ship and that they know the person steering the ship knows what they're doing and that they care, that they really genuinely care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think um, businesses need different directors at different times and different yeah. at different times. The director of a startup is quite different to the director of a business that's five years old with a team of 20. Yeah, um, which is really different from a business that's 10 years old, maybe still with the team of 20, but with a really diverse offer and yeah. interesting other models going, going yeah. on. So um, I was chatting with someone uh, just last week and we were talking about the concept of so often the business outgrows the owner's confidence and capabilities and that how necessary it is that the business owner continues to develop faster and and a little bit ahead of the business. Um, yeah. I know that there was a time when I had my practice God, many, many, many moons ago that, um, yeah, the business was, yeah, more than I could manage. Yeah. But you do what you got to do and pull in the help and the resources and Absolutely. that real quick because that is that just is stressful, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, definitely that was the point I got to when I first took someone on. I was like, this is just not, Mm. this is just not sustainable. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about marketing, social media, whatever. I just know I don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. It's not necessarily that I couldn't if I really put my mind to it. It's just, it's not a good use of my time. Yeah. Yeah. Could I learn how to be an expert in Canva? Probably if I tried. Like, could I learn to do Instagram stories on the fly? Yeah, I know it's not that hard. I know how to. I just don't want to. And I think and I think as a business owner, that's okay as well to be able to say, I don't need to enjoy every aspect of my business. And at times to use that as a guide for where you get the help. Yeah. 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 And who comes who comes in? Why is your business so important to you? Because the passion is just you know, pinging, pinging off my eardrums here. I don't know if it's that my business is important to me or people are important. Mm-hmm. I think people are important. And I think we live in a world where far too much we expect everybody to, I, I'm not even talking about diversity in a disability mm-hmm. sense. I'm just talking about the world. We expect everybody to want the same, be the same like the same things, want the same adventures, want the same tick boxes for their life. We expect everyone's journey to be parallel. Yeah. Maybe you're twist and turn, but parallel. But that's not real life. Mm. And I think I see it, like in my practice, I see it in the health system. I see it in schools. I see it in kindergartens. We are so quick to say you're different for whatever reason. And so there must be something wrong. And parents don't always have that confidence to advocate for what is right for their family and right for their child. I'm the daughter of a lawyer. So negotiating and fighting, I probably learned young. Um, (laughs) And and so I think 
I think a lot of it is about giving a voice to people that don't have one and also empowering. Like when I think of some of our families, they could not get there on their own. You know, I mean, one of our families at the moment who actually mainly is working with one of the other sport coordinators, I barely ever speak to them because she <laughs> she pretty much deals with them. But, you know, they've got letters from GPs and, and maternal child health nurses saying they need so much help, they need so much help. We had therapists saying to us, oh, I don't know if I should work with this family because they haven't returned the paperwork. I said, well, send the paperwork to me and I will get the paperwork done. We sat with the family. They dictated the information. The paperwork was done. And sometimes it's just as simple as you need someone in your corner. I think everyone needs someone in their corner. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, and that's where I'm passionate that not everyone's life runs a parallel road. And it's very lonely if it doesn't. Yeah. And just exhausting. Absolutely. And exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what key, key, um, ideas do you want listeners to kind of, take away I think and this is partly a question answer to what you asked just before but I think the difference for me and I learned it from my dad is that what I do is part of who I am Mm -hmm. you couldn't separate the two I could move to Timbuktu I'll still do the same kind of work whether it's kids on track or something else this is who I am this is what I do you can't and I think taking away the fact that of whatever you do as a business owner, I think for there to be real success as an entrepreneur, you have to really believe in what you're doing. Not just like this is a good idea and it might make money and not just, oh, well, you know, allied health practices, you can't hire staff. So like, let's set up my own and see how I go. I'm sure I'll be big. You've got to really want it. You've got to, and and you have to be willing to, at times, in growth, at times, not all the time, be, if not the most important thing in your world, the co-most important thing in your world with your immediate family. There won't be room for much else at certain times. And you have to be okay with that. It's yeah. not forever. It won't be forever. But at certain times, I think... If people are listening who are, you know, looking to do that growth, I think being really clear about your boundaries, like what, like, for example, my boundary is no matter what, I do not reply. Doesn't matter what to work emails between Friday at four and Monday at nine. No work emails, texts, voicemail, doesn't matter. Nothing. My staff, if they need me, they'll message my personal phone and I'll message them back. That's different. But that for me is like, and that's my family time. Yeah. That's my boundary. I think that's important. And in terms of what I would want people to take away if they've, you know, if they've never heard of kids on track, if they're looking for support coordinators for clients, if they've got parents that they think need someone to take a global look, reach out. Always happy to meet other people in the field have a chat about how we can collaborate and work together. Just beautiful. So good to catch up. So nice to see you. (laughs) Really. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. (laughs) Well, I'm uh, thrilled to hear about what you've been working on and what you're achieving and and really digging in and shining the light on those very significant personal motivators, right? 
Yeah, thank you. And I, I just must say, I'm not being paid to say this, but I just must say that your book, I would say, is one of like the 10 seminal books of my career. Really? That book about building your tribe. Yeah. I, it was brilliant. Oh, it's, um, I've, yeah. It's, I know it's, it was written for parents. I know yeah. that it was. Yeah. But I, I read it quite early on and certainly in the NDIS journey. Um, can't remember who recommended it to me and I read it and I was like yeah th- like but it's so hard to do that it's such a simple thing to say but it's so hard to do so I you know must also say that to you as well because that was that's really something that's informed my practice oh that's good that's good oh we might be able to help you out with a, a few more I was um just chatting with someone earlier this afternoon about that book and about what the next one might be about so mm-hmm. isn't funny how um things just uh yeah serendipity thank you so much such a pleasure thank you for having me Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.